where there is the opportunity to use language to describe an approach to ESG, there's always going to need to be auditing of whether or not that described approach is authentic to what a manager is actually accomplishing. And I want to be just transparent that I don't think that most firms are, or any firms are intentionally trying to mislead investors as to what their actions and activities are. I do think that there are some standards as to what firms would be expected to be doing based on the language that they're using. So ESG has exploded into compliance and business consciousness in 2021. Join Tom Fox, the voice of compliance on the ESG report and learn about sustainability risks, opportunities and issues that business leaders and compliance professionals need to know about regarding ESG. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And you're in for a real treat today because I'm back with me, Tricia Daskin. I've had Tricia on several podcasts over the years, and she has developed into a really top-notch ESG expert. And she's going to talk to us about not only ESG, but lots of ancillary issues. So, Tricia, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Tom, it is always such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for having me. Could you tell our audience a little bit about your professional background? I've been working as the managing director and head of ESG strategy since our firm's inception back in 2018. It's been a pleasure to be part of this industry for so long. Before then, my professional foundation is really steeped in compliance and regulatory expertise. And that's been a hallmark of our ESG practice since we started. And it's turned out to be a really excellent and valuable set of tools to pull from as we think about most of our conversation today is focused on the uh, advancement of ESG regulations. So it's been a really fun journey and looking forward to where we go from here. Before we get going, could you say a few words about Silver and what you guys do at Silver? Silver Regulatory Associates is a boutique consulting firm headquartered out of both New York and Los Angeles. And we're really excited to work in three distinct business lines, our ESG services, our compliance and regulatory services, and our due diligence services. And across those vectors, we do seem to work with the same type of client. We're looking at registered investment advisors who are regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission and those firms that are generally expected to abide by the same rules that the SEC puts forth for its registered entities. We've been, again, here for the last four years and really looking forward to what 2022 has in store really across all of our verticals. So could you start off by talking a little bit about how silver really helps firms in the regulated space that you guys work shine in the area of ESG? We take a really unique approach to environmental social governance in so much that we start first from the perspective that the clients that we are and have the privilege to work with are regulated by one or more regulatory bodies, predominantly the Securities and Exchange Commission. And we're thoughtful about the building of ESG programs through the eyes of the regulator. We've been skeptical about firms who've used really superfluous language to describe their ESG efforts, who have been really ready to commit or overcommit, as we might view them from an ESG perspective for the last many years, as investors have been asking sophisticated questions about what your ESG program looks like, what your commitments look like, what your reporting and mechanics look like. And we take a step back, we evaluate what an investment manager is doing really through the lens of their investment strategy. We start to understand how ESG can fit and really maneuver into that strategy in a natural way. That helps us identify unique opportunities for managers 
to really thrive with their ESG programs. And I think that that's one of the secrets we have as it relates to how we think about where ESG fits in an investment program. Tristan, visiting with you over the years, one of the things that I've come to understand in the regulated side of things is the importance of training. And the SEC certainly requires that. Is that true in the ESG area as well? I think it's important to focus on competency across the firm, especially as we see different members of investment managers really start to come online to ESG responsibilities. One of the inputs that the commission identified in its risk alert that was released in April of 2021 and specific to ESG was that they identified many firms where compliance didn't have a core competency around what an ESG policy was ultimately stating. And I think we've seen a tremendous uptick in clients asking for ESG training across the firm in order to understand how the different members of the firm do have responsibility, whether it be the investment professionals who ultimately have the right and responsibility to execute on ESG practices or compliance who will come to the table to oversee whether or not an ESG policy is implemented correctly, whether or not it's distributed appropriately, whether or not it's updated on a routine and regular basis. And so I think it's correct to think about your ESG program with the same cautiousness and prudence as you would think about any of your other policies and procedures, including but not limited to a focus on training over a routine and regular period. So I was going to ask you this direct question, but you just may have answered it. You talked about starting or helping companies develop an ESG strategy, but that's really just the starting point. You have to have policies and procedures. You have to maintain those policies. You have to improve them or at least monitor them for any changes that may occur either on the regulatory side or on the business side and then continuously improve them through support as well. Do you help companies through that or investment firms through that entire life cycle? We do. We're really glad to be partners around each and every one of the action items that you just outlined. You're right that an ESG strategy can't be born really just in an ideating manner. It has to be a physical document. It has to birth a policy. And then that policy typically would need a set of procedures and then you'd need to see some practices in place on a regular basis, whether those be monitoring practices or evaluatory practices or engagement practices, potentially all of the above. And we're really fortunate to work really across each and every one of those different pieces in terms of how our managers are maturing in their ESG journey. A good example would be a firm just starting out on ESG would have at the onset an ESG policy that would describe practices that are relatively basic based on what that manager is able to accomplish and able to implement. And then over the years, maybe they would bring in an ESG tool, maybe an ESG checklist, maybe a questionnaire, maybe some engagement targets around key performance indicators identified as material for the investment strategies that they run. And my team and I are really eager and excited to be partners as those sort of moments of maturation occur. Trisha, one of the things that occurred, I think, over the past year is ESG really moved from either being driven by regulators or having a regulatory focus to more of a market focus. And I wondered if you agree with that. Is that true in regulated industries as well? And how do you see the importance of ESG having grown for fund managers over the past year? That's such a fun question. And I think based on where our listeners are located, potentially a different answer. 
I think market participants are pushing for ESG, but in a couple of specific ways. I think a lot of the momentum we saw in 2021 is really focused on climate risk and climate mitigation and climate adaptation, as well as transparency in diversity, equity, and inclusion programs and or the evaluation of DE&I statistics from an investment practice. And I think we're seeing market participants sort of across industries really think about these types of questions and really create pressure points. Different organizations are coming online with voluntary diversity, equity, and inclusion statistics being published on their websites. Different organizations are voluntarily aligning with the task force on climate-related financial disclosure and producing reports accordingly. And as a result, financial services, which was probably the last industry to come online to sustainability and to the conversations around responsible investment and ESG, I think are really starting to feel the pressure. Maybe a good example is a private equity firm who invests in a number of portfolio companies. And that manager might find themselves in a position where their portfolio companies are more advanced on ESG or sustainability topics than even the manager themselves is. We're seeing some interesting push-pull from not just the marketplace, but the regulatory movement really can't be overstated in 2021. I think we saw more movement last year than we have since this topic has entered the mainstream. 2022 will also be a hallmark year for regulatory momentum. Trisha Silver issued a report earlier this year entitled Evolving ESG Regulatory Landscape. And I wondered if we could turn to that now and if I could ask, what were three key areas of focus for private investment fund managers going into 2022 that you guys saw? The many takeaways, I think the top three would be that managers should be really ready for enhanced ESG disclosure. And they should be really ready for enhanced ESG disclosure from their investor base, as well as from the regulatory space. The SEC has signaled many times that rules and guidance around ESG strategies and ESG practices are forthcoming. The April risk alert really tuned in a lot of industry participants that yes, is paying very specific attention to this space. And those disclosure areas are only going to grow. Most notably, we do expect a climate disclosure regulation in the near term. Chair Gensler indicated in July of 2021 that a climate disclosure regulation could drop as early as December of 21. And we didn't see that happen. But Commissioner Crenshaw indicated in a speech in December that the climate disclosure regulation remains top of the regulatory agenda and rulemaking agenda for the SEC this year. So we do expect movement on that for U.S. financial firms in the near term. I don't think we'll see it by Q1, but I could be proven wrong. I think that managers are going to be continually pressed to evidence and substantiate the ESG-related claims they make in their policies and in their writings. We see many managers include ESG as a topic in an annual general meeting or in an annual investor letter where many steps forward are indicated. We also work with many clients who are signatories to something called the Principles for Responsible Investment, also known as PRI. And in that reporting requirement for that organization, those signatories are required to publish something called a senior leadership statement. They have to indicate what they expect the next steps of their organization to be in the next two years. Our expectation is that really the whole body of stakeholders for an investment manager are going to push for increased substantiation around how those firms are maintaining and achieving the targets that they set and the goals that they set. And then third and finally, I think that firms are really going to find themselves in a place where 
they're going to need to articulate their approach to climate risk and climate adaptation, regardless of whether or not a manager views their strategy as specifically tied to or aligned with different climate-related risks that the marketplace has identified. Long gone are the days where managers who maybe run an investment strategy that isn't seeing climate as the most material risk to their investment process and are then able to articulate how that is the truth may not stand up in 2022, where managers are expected to be joining and looking to join organizations where climate is really top of mind, even if, again, the investment strategy isn't potentially looking at that as the first material risk. Trisha, do you see greenwashing as a continued regulatory concern, or has that been ameliorated over the past year to some extent? I think greenwashing is the core of really every regulatory movement we are seeing. The EU is potentially the most vocal about this. The European Action Plan on Sustainable Finance indicates that the extraction of greenwashing and the reorienting of capital towards sustainable investing is the core and sole purpose of the regulations that they're working with. The United States and the Securities and Exchange Commission have also indicated that they view greenwashing as a major risk in the current marketplace. I think that where there is the opportunity to use language to describe an approach to ESG, there's always going to need to be auditing of whether or not that described approach is authentic to what a manager is actually accomplishing. And I want to be just transparent that I don't think that most firms or or any firms are intentionally trying to mislead investors as to what their actions and activities are. I do think that there are some standards as to what firms would be expected to be doing based on the language that they're using. So yes, that was a long way of saying I think greenwashing is still a really important focal point for regulators as well as investors as we try to get more transparent information out of managers in terms of what they're doing and what they intend to do. I'd like to turn now to standardization of a wide variety of ESG reporting. And because ESG could be so broad, that standardization has to cover a variety of areas. But I'd like to focus on DEI. And do you see some standardization in terms of ESG reporting in DEI in addition to environmental in 2022? So at the end of 2021, we saw an organization called ILPA, the Institutional Limited Partnership Association, as well as the PRI, the Principles for Responsible Investment, update their widely used due diligence questionnaires to include questions specific to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think that there is a precedent for managers to be responding to DEI questions from their investor base on a more regular and routine basis. We're definitely evaluating and seeing the questions on DEI mature in a meaningful way. Where questions used to ask, do you have diverse employees? Yes or no. Now those questions ask for you to evaluate your employee base across a number of diversity statistics. And they're also asking for you to evaluate the different levels of staff that you have at your organization. So what does diversity look like across senior management? What does diversity look like across your analyst class? I think that that is going to continue in 2022. And I think that there could be some regulatory obligations around transparent reporting that we could see even out of the SEC, potentially even this year. How do you see competition driving the bar even higher in 2022? That's a great question. So we're always looking at what our peers and competitors are doing. And in the investment management space, that is no different. And so firms are looking at what their competitor firms are doing, what their peer firms are doing. 
And I think that we're in a space where managers are really wanting to evidence and really wanting to show that they take their ESG program seriously. We're seeing managers join meaningful organizations. I've said the PRI a couple of times, I'll say them again. Also seeing managers sign on to become reporters to the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure and to use the TCFD framework to report outwardly on their climate impact. We're seeing managers join things like the Net Zero Asset Owner Alliance and to commit to really robust reporting requirements around those types of alliance memberships, not only on climate reporting, but also on setting a net zero emissions target by 2050. This momentum creates sort of a natural competition for managers to think about what do we need to be doing in order to meet what is sort of business as usual. And business as usual is changing quite rapidly as these organizations list out you know, the opportunity to become a signatory, the opportunity to report. And as investors start to ask questions, you know, what organizations is your firm a member of? What are you reporting? Will you make those reports available to us? If I could generalize to the extreme, probably the biggest question or comment I get in talking to anyone about ESG, whether it's someone like yourself, whether it's a fund manager, whether it's a large institutional investor, whether it's a U.S. public company, whether it's a U.S. private company, or sometimes even lawyers, is, and even I had a college student talk about the lack of international standards or framework and a huge amount of frustration around that. And it's not that they want one thing or don't want something. They just want to have a framework. So I was wondering if you're seeing that kind of overarching issue is something that may be addressed in 2022. I know we've heard a lot of talk about different international groups, but I was wanting to get your thoughts on that. The lack of standardization seems to be the swan song of all ESG, sustainability and responsible investing market participants. For a very long time, it has been the case that comparable data is nearly impossible to come by. But I do think we're seeing some light starting to be shed on the evaluation, determination, and ultimately the development of standards that managers might be looking to. In November of 2021, we saw the Conference on Parties, our COP26, the UN's climate meeting occur. And during that time, the IFRS, which is the International Finance Reporting Standards Board, think of them as the international equivalent to GAAP, announced the development of the ISSB or the International Sustainability Standards Board. The ISSB is, I think, going to make great moves in 2022. In a nutshell, the ISSB intends to produce reporting standards that should provide comparable decision-useful data for investors. And the ISSB intends to build its standards off of the already existing, well-accepted international organizations that many firms are already reporting to. So that's going to look like things similar to the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board um, materiality framework, the TCFD reporting framework, the Carbon Disclosure Project reporting framework, a few others. And there is early indication that regulators will use the ISSB standards as a method to require further disclosure by its market participants. Importantly, these standards are really intended to set a baseline of what sustainability disclosure should look like. And then users of these standards should be able to report out that we have or we have not met these standards. And that's intended to create, again, sort of comparability across ESG data for ultimately other people to be able to see across and to be able to make some decisions related to. Importantly, these standards don't exist today. 
the climate standards are intended to be developed first and they'll be in consultation throughout this year. We could see them finalized and published this year. But for listeners, I think it is important to note that these are being taken very seriously by the industry. Nearly every large international organization around sustainability has backed them or has indicated that they will back them. We've also seen some regulatory momentum, specifically by the Financial Conduct Authority, which is the regulatory body out of the UK, as well as the SEC already sort of signaling that they might point to the ISSB when they start to think about more fulsome guidance around sustainability and ESG disclosure. So it's a long way of saying, I think that we're getting there. There's equally an ESG convergence project currently undergoing. Numerous private firms in the United States are participating in this. It's an effort through ILPA in combination with the Boston Consulting Group to evaluate currently reported ESG data and to determine whether or not there is some standardization that could be established by way of that evaluation. There are numerous other groups trying to create sort of global standards that would be more helpful to report to, but I bet you those are the two that are likely to be most notable in the coming year. Whether or not we'll see mass adoption, because again, they'll both be in sort of early phases, time will tell, but I think there is some relief for folks who've been really identifying the challenge of non-comparability of data over the number of years that we've been seeing data released. Tricia, earlier on, you mentioned you coming to Silver in 2018 and going into ESG relatively quickly after you came on board with the firm. I wanted to maybe ask you, first of all, I think that's around the time I met you and you were one of the first people I talked to about ESG. So my journey has been similar, but I wanted to ask, do you see the marketplace becoming more sophisticated? Are the clients of Silver that are coming to you guys for assistance, is it still at the the firms that we need to do this, we need to start an ESG investment strategy, or, or do you see a much more sophisticated marketplace for your customer base in 2022? It's a good mix of both, Tom. And yes, it's been fun to be on this journey with you. And it's been really a pleasure to launch and to have this business line and to be so sort of intimate with it. And it comes out of a really interesting sort of educational background and some prior experience at a couple of other places. And all sort of harmonized into this moment. But I think we're still seeing some of that. We're still seeing some folks coming to this really excited about the acronym, excited about what it means, but not having a lot of foundation behind what the firm is ultimately going to do with it. That's still very prevalent and very prominent. And so anybody listening to feel like you're not decades and decades behind the trend. I think we're far beyond the early adopters But I do think we're still in this sort of like massive wave of of uptake. But we are absolutely seeing a maturation and sophistication in questions and a maturation and sophistication in projects that we're working on. Where we might have previously developed an ESG program that said, you know, we'll consider evaluation of material ESG topics on an as-determined basis. Now that policy says something like, we evaluate material ESG factors at the onset of investment each and every time. And my team and I are then lucky to be part of the process where we will go through that evaluation, we'll write those reports and we'll sort of dig into the investments the clients that we're working with are making and help to really think through what is material to the investment strategy, what is material in the long run and a number of different sort of external impacts. So even in our client base, we're seeing ready maturation but I do think it's, it's good for everybody to know that there are still plenty of players that are at the very beginning of the journey 
And there are other players who, you know, they get one bite at the apple and they take it and they run with it. And they're, you know, maybe at where we would expect a company on a fifth year of their ESG journey, they make it there in year one. It's really anyone's guess at this moment, but really appreciating how seriously the industry is taking it and really the resources that are being assigned to it, both internally and externally. Trisha, do you see that continuing into 2025 or even beyond as many businesses now feel more pressure to move towards carbon neutral or other sustainable guidelines or goals that investors or just the shareholding public is interested in? I think that the next three years are going to be very interesting in ESG. I think absolutely we're going to see program development mature even further. And I do think that there is some expectation that perhaps we won't refer to this as ESG investing. Perhaps we won't refer to this as the ESG space. Perhaps we'll just refer to this as the investing space because it will be so systemically integrated into the asset manager's uh, general sort of routine books and records and programs that need to be in place. I definitely think that we're in a space where we're going to see some standardization and harmonization across all of these regulatory bodies and all of these regulatory reporting requirements because there is a lot of duplicity in some of them. So I think that that could be upcoming for managers. I think that we're going to see rules and guidance that are going to better address some of the diverse approaches to ESG that exist in this space and that I think will be really helpful in understanding sort of the do's and don'ts of the road. But I don't think that this is going anywhere. I think if one thing has stood the test of time, Tom, then I think maybe it's very important that four years ago, we had a very early conversation. Today, we're able to have an even more sophisticated discussion. And I wonder what this conversation will look like even four years from now. Well, I hope that perhaps I can call upon you to visit about that because I greatly enjoy these conversations and I hope we can continue this conversation. Tricia, if anyone wanted to find out more about Silver or the report we referenced, what would be the best way for them to do so? Thanks, Tom. I welcome anyone to visit us at silverregulatoryassociates.com. Our contact information, our collateral, including the report you referenced today, are available on our website. and look forward to hearing from you with respect to any questions or comments. Tom, it's always such a pleasure to visit with you. Tricia, thanks so much, and I look forward to continuing this conversation.